0: This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com.
1: Here we go. It's hour five of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan. And we're about to be joined by a special guest here. Talk some Mavs. Coming off a big win uh, last night, an easy win over the Trail Blazers, and they will host the uh, Blazers again tomorrow night at the AAC as Tim Cato of The Athletic joins you now here on 105.3 The Fan. And a good evening, Tim. How the heck are you?
2: I'm doing good. How are you guys?
1: Man, we're doing good. Uh, you know, it's it's great to get a win uh, like that. Um, and and even though they didn't have a great December, I'm excited about this team compared to where I was last year. Give us your overall thirty thousand feet of view of this team here as we go into 2024.
2: Yeah, they had an okay December. It was it was up and down. It was rocky. They missed a bunch of players. Kyrie was out almost the entire time. Derek Lively missed some time. There's a couple games that Luca couldn't play in. It was a, a December that they they survived. Um I think that kind of describes December for a lot of us. Yeah. Um but they did survive. They're into January. Yes, their record looks a lot like it did last season. No, I I don't see anything that, that really reminds me of of last season, where where there was this catastrophic collapse. And and I think the biggest reason for that is is kind of that rocky start. I, I think that this team Maybe finding its best lineup. The only problem is it hasn't played together. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to take some guesses, but there's there's four players that I think make a lot of sense that have only they only have 67 possessions together. It's um, it's a, a four man unit that I think we're going to start seeing a lot of, and that's uh, Luca, Kyrie, Dante, Axum, and, and Derek Lively. And I think the big question the rest of the season is, wait, let's actually see these guys together. How good can they be?
3: Hey, Tim, how how worried are, are are you or the Mavs about with Lively? These you know, early in his career, the injuries that he's had to deal with already is it, uh, is it just early wear and tear on the young man, or is there something more to what's going on?
2: I, I don't think they're too worried. I mean, not yet. Um, you know, a tall guy having some ankle problems early in his career. He's nineteen. And so, and and especially you got to remember also that, you know, these weren't just him landing after a rebound. These, these were more collision type plays. And and so with that in mind, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a mild concern, but it's not one that uh, it's just way too soon to think, oh, this is, you know, this is something that we're going to have to deal with throughout his career. Right now, they're just much more, you know, they're just shocked that, that you know, this is who Lively is. Like, that's the main thing I hear. It's just like, we didn't, we weren't even sure if he was going to be in the rotation. We weren't even sure if he was going to be up from the G League at this point. And uh, this is one of their best four players. I, I think it's very clear.
1: You know, the Tyson Chandler comparisons were interesting, but he was more of a blue-collar, straight-line type of dude. I, I think Lively has a full skill set and basketball IQ that that allows him to be a more dynamic teammate.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. He is a, di- a dynamic offensive player. Uh, the, the passing that he has shown, and, and you know, it feels like he adds a little bit to it uh, with with each passing week, at least. Um, you know, first we were seeing him, you know, catch out of the short roll. He was catching right around the free throw line, and he was just immediately finding oh, open guy in the sh- uh, in the corner. I'm gonna laser it there. Uh, then he turned into somebody who was catching in that same spot, and he's like, I'm athletic. I'm big. I, I can move. I can take one dribble, and then I can dunk. You know, he did that over uh, over Chet, Uh, you know, over over one of his fellow rookies, you know, one guy who is, you know, one of the more impressive defensive players in the in the league. And so absolutely, he's he's shown a dynamic, a dynamic offensive package and dynamic in the NBA. When you're a tall center, it can still just mean, hey, I can get to the basket basket and score with the dribble like he doesn't need a three pointer to be a, a really plus offensive player because he has been already. And I think he's just going to keep showing that and keep showing wrinkles to it.
0: Talking mass with Tim Cato of the athletic here in the G bag nation, Luca, obviously being uh, the MVP caliber version of himself, maybe the best version of himself, the most efficient version of himself. Is it as simple? Tim is just him being in better conditioning compared to previous years. Like what do you attribute Luca playing at the height of his powers right now?
2: I think that's the simplest reason. I mean, players get better as they they get older. And I know that's ridiculous to say about Luca just based on how good he was. Like he has certainly improved in some ways as well, but I, I really think that the number one thing is, is his conditioning last season, especially down the stretch of last season. I, I think it was one of the first times that it, that he had ever played basketball and not enjoyed it. And this is somebody who is a, is a lifer basketball is his blood basketball is the single thing he loves most in the world. And he was not enjoying it last season, and a lot of it he knew was on him and, and was his inability to be the player that we know he can be. Uh, he got really serious about it, like even before last season ended. He was, you know, lining up, uh, you know, his, his summer and his workout plans and, you know, the the people who are gonna he was going to work with throughout the summer, uh, you know, tr- nutritionists, chefs, stuff like that. And I would say that's the number one the number one reason behind it is is that he's really taken that part of his career very seriously. Tim,
3: do you do you feel like he is happy now? Though is I, I know there's people that always sound the horns about well this team's not going to put anybody around him. They're not going to do this. Not going to do that. Uh, is is he a happy guy now?
2: I would say yes. Uh, I, I think, and I don't want to psychoanalyze Luca too much. You know, sure. I, I don't know him. You know. I don't think a lot of people know him, you know, to this degree. But I, I think he views the decision as more more of a binary thing. You know, I, I don't think that he's going to be thinking for months and months in advance. If if he were to leave Dallas, I don't think it's something he'd be thinking about months and months in advance. I think he would just get reach a point where he's like, oh yeah, I'm ready to leave, and the opportunity presents itself. I, I think generally he is someone who who does have so much respect for Dirk and Dirk's loyalty. I, I don't think that. You know, that is whatsoever the the path that anybody, any athlete should be expected to to carry on. But he has a lot of respect for that. And and he's happy, you know, he he wants to win and he wants this to be a title contender. But I, I don't think that, you know, especially as the team now is added, you know, lively next to him and right. you know, they they have reshaped the roster in a lot of ways. They went out and got Kyrie. You know, he's you know, a, a superstar of his magnitude. There's only gonna be so much patience uh for for anyone like him but but i think he has plenty of patience and he is seeing things change around him and probably changing you know in his perspective in in a good way and so yeah i I think the team is worried about that and i think a lot of the reporting that's been done about this is like yeah the team has to worry about lucas future but i think luca is pretty content where he is right now he just wants to continue seeing dallas improve and get to the point that they are actual title contenders
3: how surprised were you to see Mark Cuban sell the
2: team? Uh, very. Um, I mean, in the exact moment, I I'd, I'd heard some rumblings beforehand, but but yeah, no, I I, you know, this is a guy who just a few years ago said he would never do it. Right. And why exactly he did it right now? Um, I think that's still a, a very good question, and, and maybe not one that we're ever gonna get a, an exact answer to. But uh, you know. I think it's clear that the, he chose to sold to he, he sold and he, and he chose the buyers based off, you know, this whole idea that he's still going to be around the team a lot and he's still going to maintain, you know, this image and this identity that he has of, you know, just a, just a sports fan like you. And uh, certainly I, I don't think that, you know, this is the last we see certainly not departing the picture fully, but uh, yeah, it was, it was shocking. And, you know, just based off his own words. Gavin
3: Dawson, who I work with here, is even you know interviewing you here. Uh, he seems to believe that Mark has an idea of what the next television package could potentially be, and he's getting out while he knows what those numbers might be. Any thought on that going forward?
2: I think that's a fair reading of what Mark has said and some of his motivation for doing this. I will say that Mark has predicted many things, and he's not always right. I, I do think that the the streaming deals and the TV deals are certainly headed in a in, in this direction. you know they're they're headed that the the local packages are not going to be as lucrative and that the streaming services and the, and the ways that things are changing, you know the you know, as he's talking about the streaming services, he's also talking about how gambling is going to be the new revenue source. And you know, and obviously that plays out in in the the buyers and the Adelson and the the Sands corporation. You know that plays out as as a potential revenue stream that that they're buying the team and and viewing as a possibility, but like I said, Mark's not was right. He also thought the NFL would be, uh, yeah, I, I think done for, at like no. this year, maybe it's last better. year. Yeah, you know, he made the, like a 2012 prediction. He's like NFL's a cooked product. It's going to be all over by 2022. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I'm not saying he's wrong, and I'm not saying that things aren't changing. But but yes, that that is that is one reason, and we'll see how right he ends up being.
0: Tim Cato, Mavs beat reporter for the Athletic with us here on the fan. Uh I'm seeing Jaden Hardy removing Mavs stuff from his bio on social media. Do you have anything on Jaden Hardy here?
2: Well, this is the first I'm hearing of it. So, uh um, Okay, yes. <laughs> uh I'm, That would be a surprise. Yeah, that that doesn't correlate with um anything I've heard. You know, certainly I've heard no rumors of like active trade talks involving him. Um, you know, I think if the Mavericks get to a point you know he's expendable but i think a lot of players on the roster are expendable you know that is just the inevitability of of being in the nba and and you know being on a team that's trying to make the next step to uh, to title contention and i think that hardy's skill set while you know if he comes good and he's shown flashes i think he would be a useful one you know there's always room for a third ball handler um but it makes sense why he's been phased out a little bit of the rotation and you know he just hasn't been good enough to to warrant it so whether there is something there, uh, let me get back to you. But um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. You know, certainly, I don't know for sure that his future is going to forever be in Dallas. And you know, maybe it, maybe if you're playing with Luca and Kyrie, like maybe that's the best thing for his career anyway. If if that is what comes to light.
1: So as the trade deadline's approaching, is it is it him and Josh Green and maybe Grant Williams that's you know your best asset sitting on your roster, or how would you evaluate the Grant Williams uh, you know adventure up to this point?
2: I think Gurren's been okay. I, I think he's had some nagging injuries that, that have not been as publicized, um, that, that have affected his play. This is also who he is a little bit. He is someone who sometimes struggles to impact games when he's not hitting threes. And Boston fans will would tell you that in Boston he would also go through stretches where he wasn't hitting threes and he wasn't as impactful. And so I, I think that I think that he's gonna be a competent NBA player. I think for the most part, uh, even despite his struggles, he's been a competent NBA player. And we saw last season that they did not have enough of that. Uh, I don't think in the in the long run it's going to be a bad thing to have Grant Williams on the roster. I'm not sure how much of a, a trade asset he is. I think to some extent, but you know maybe he's not someone that player that other teams are like, oh, we got to go get this guy. I, I think that's still uh, Josh Green. I, I think Josh Green is still a player that that there is a lot of interest in, uh, muted a bit, but there are teams that look at him and look at his skill set and think. I think we could unlock him. So so when you're talking that, you know, I think it's green and possibly Hardy and then definitely whatever picks the team has available. Will new owners
1: change the, the, the model that they're looking to build as far as a, a championship system? It seemed like Mark was talking about we want two plus a bunch of role players adequately compensated. You know, there hasn't been a strong move into luxury tax threshold from Mark Cuban for a long
2: time. How has this evolved? I think that's a great question. I think that it's going to look, I think over the past two years, Nico has had more control over the front office, Nico Harrison, um, than Donnie Nelson probably ever did. Mm. At times, Donnie was you know, really driving all the decisions, but there was a lot of Cubans influence over the team. And I think there's been less of Cubans influence over the team ever since Nico got put in charge, and I think especially over the past year. Um, it's not to say Cuban hasn't been involved and he says he will continue being very involved, but I think involvement and influence are slightly different things. And I think we've seen the same amount of involvement, but less influence over exactly how the Mavericks are leading the team. And my expectation is under the new ownership, it's still going to be Nico show for the foreseeable future. And so I think the way that the team is building uh, the, the roster around Luca is is going to look fairly similar Maybe with some more luxury tax and, uh, spending involved, though. We'll see.
0: We, we've seen Pascal Siakam's name get thrown around. What What do you think, from just an overall need standpoint, would be the most desired skill set that they could acquire at the deadline?
2: I think it's somebody like Siakam. I think a big four who can score a bit is is exactly the type of player that they're looking for. Um there's some ways where Siakam isn't a perfect fit, but I think he's close enough that they're definitely going to be interested in him. I'm not convinced that they're going to have a, a, enough to send out, you know, even if they're, you know, offering a Canadian and Omax and prosper. You know, I, I know Toronto loves the Canadians, but, um, you know, I, I'm just not sure they're really going to have quite enough to, to, to swing that. But I do think that's the type of player they should be looking at. I do think just somebody who can be, a, a lead defender, which I think if Siakam recommitted to really being a defensive force, he could be that. And uh just someone who's who's bigger, who has size. I uh, I think that's exactly what the, the, the team is looking for right now. And uh you know whether it's Siakam or somebody else down the line, there's only so many of these players around in the NBA. But but that's the type of archetype that Dallas should be looking for.
3: Tim I'm about to do some reckless radio here and it, it, it's about the if the, if say new ownership doesn't get the casino or that doesn't pass, if say they get to the point where all of a sudden it's, they, they, they're just hitting stone walls the whole time. Is there any chance that this team could move to Vegas?
2: No, because even in this hypothetical, I'm pretty sure there's already going to be a team in Vegas at that point. Okay. Like I think the team in Vegas is coming by 27, 28. Okay. Uh, I, Adam Silver has hinted that as soon as they get the next media deal done, which I believe is 2026, I should know that offhand, but I believe it's 26. Um, I, I think those expansion teams are going to be right around the corner, and by then we may have an idea whether the the, the gambling situation and, and what it looks like in Texas, whether the the, the ownership is the new ownership is is going to kind of get their wish. But I don't think there's any any concern about a, a franchise in the what the fifth. Vegas media market i don't think there's any concern about them moving especially because the nba is already kind of looking at vegas wanting that process to start and also wanting that expansion fee that comes with it you know the the buy-in fee sure you know i think they want all of those things and so there is every reason for dallas to remain in dallas tim cato athletic
1: fantastic report once again anything else before we let you go
2: i think that's it i think that's it so uh yeah go read my stuff on the athletic and uh I have the only Mavericks podcast. There's a plug. There you go. Man, you're the the only one. So we're really – I know it's tough. I know it's really hard that I'm – like, I've got the only one. And, you know, it's really your only option to listen to, you know, if you want to hear Mavs audio. But, uh, you know, I'm just doing a service to everybody who might be a Mavs fan. Doing a hell of a job covering the team, sir. Really are. (laughs) We salute you. Appreciate you all. Thanks.
1: Tim Cato, The Athletic here on 105.3 The Fan. And, yeah, the, the only Mavs podcast standing right now. That's kind of insane. That That is. I mean, top five team, won a championship. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving on the team together at the same time. Uh, I guess it's a Cowboys town. Uh, but uh, both teams are doing a hell of a job. Yeah. Uh, getting us some maps content sure here are. from time to time.